0: Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix. T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network. By College Bar & Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. The ASU fans' home away from home. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Voted Best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award winning tequila since 2011. Pull beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. Oxypow, our chemical free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. <laughs> M Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh.
1: All right, welcome in, hockey vans in the desert southwest, around the United States, Canada, wherever you may be listening to us live tonight on uh, the Podbean app. Scott Strandy joining you from not Scottsdale, Arizona, not Lake Elmo, Minnesota, but from beautiful and very chilly Vail, Colorado tonight. My co host is our
2: Stephen Marsh uh, from Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, how are you? Doing well, yeah. You know, uh, you're in Vail, but it, which I'm sure is very cold. And Denver, a couple of days ago, it was like 100 degrees, and now they're like in the 30s. It's like, it's crazy, this storm that's just kind of enveloped through. Uh, through this area now you know a couple days ago we were in over 100 degrees and today we were only at 81 or 82 degrees here so i mean it's well it's really nice paul's gonna kill us again for talking about the weather but it seems like we always resort (laughs) that way but it's such an interesting story the last couple of days well i told you that uh what i was
1: gonna do is uh not say anything about the the snow because i was gonna try to avoid it i stayed an extra night in kansas city uh Voided a lot of the snow on the roads. It rained like crazy for about three quarters of my trip today. But when I got into Colorado, the snow had, had cleared off the roads. There was a lot in the mountains, obviously, and a lot on the road. But uh made it through safely. So, safely into Vail tonight, on to Las Vegas tomorrow, and back home on uh, sometime Friday night. So, Okay, let's jump in. We've got a special guest, as uh, as always. I like to say, if you're that good, we keep bringing you back. So uh, why not bring back the head coach from University of Arizona, Chad Berman, and bring him on and let's talk some ACHA hockey. Coach, how are you?
3: Good. How are you doing? You're traveling, man. I feel like I'm talking to Johnny Cash here. <laughs> the every time I talk to you, somewhere new.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you got to spread the word, right? I mean, we're uh, we're trying. We're trying. <laughs> We're trying to grow. You never know where we're going to grow to. But uh, it also worked as kind of a double vacation. Got to see my grandson and, and pick my wife up that had been up uh, taking care of him for a little while. And um, so, yeah, it worked, it worked out OK. And I saw beautiful parts of the country that I hadn't seen in a while. So, you know, here we are. But we're here to talk ACHA hockey. What in the world's going on in the University of Arizona and how are things down there?
3: Good. They, uh, you know, the guys have been a couple weeks out in the class and adjusting to the Zoom life and the online world that we're into now. And um, you know, we're hoping that'll transition to in class eventually here, but uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see how that goes. But uh, it, it's been good. We've been we've been busy for sure. We're we're starting to. I think it's tough to. Uh, I think I've done a pretty good job of compartmentalizing this and trying to stay patient with it. Um, It makes it a little harder when you start seeing your your new guys, your recruits, the returners start coming on campus. Um, It's hard enough to start getting excited and thinking about hockey. So we'll have to temper that a little bit, but uh,
1: certainly whenever we do get to hit the ice, we'll be ready to go. Okay, so, Coach, I'm going to get one more in here before Stephen jumps in. But um, one of the things that I've been seeing as I made my travels through the country is the NCAA has a series of plans ACHA seems to be pretty buckled into the fact that it's going to be a January start, at least in the West. Um, then I look at USHL and, and what they're doing is uh, they're having their guys report on October 2nd. They're hoping to start playing games in November. Um, and and they use the, uh, the pathway or the direction of the NHL uh, in helping them with testing and things like that. So in your estimation, as an ACHA coach, would it be nice if there was some sort of governing body like USA Hockey or the NHL or somebody that kind of reached down to everybody and said, "Hey, listen, here's here's what we know, and here's how we'd like you guys to uh, maybe follow a path," or or is that happening?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think you always want you know somebody to step up and take some leadership so that we're all going in the same direction. Uh, uh, but I think when it comes to our situation and the ACHA in particular, um, it's just a different. It's a different situation because really, it's, gonna, it's, it's not up to the ACHA. Frankly, it's going to come down to each university and what they're comfortable and willing to do. Uh, I think the ACHA is kind of along for the ride, frankly. and So um, I think the most important thing is that uh, all the players and uh, on all the teams across the across the country, across the ACHA, I, I sure hope they're taking it seriously. They're wearing their masks. They're Um, Following whatever direction we're being given to to keep the numbers down and be safe. Um, Because if we want to play hockey, it's going to be required of that. So, you know, it's certainly the message to our group that's what we can control. Um, We really, really want to get back on the ice and and make a run at this season here. So, uh, um, we control part of that.
1: All right, Stephen, fire away.
2: Sure.
3: Uh, I guess
2: my question would be what exactly. Are you able to do as a team or not do as a team right now? Um, how often can, can, can players go out and skate on their own and, and keep themselves sharp during this time? Are you guys able to screw, uh, skate as a team? I think UNLV, they're not able to have anything officially as a team, but I think if players do individual practices and, and little group things, they might be able to do that. But what, what's, what's, how are you guys going to be able to stay sharp t- with the anticipation of a season here down the road in January?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're kind of extending the summer process, honestly, for us. Right now, the simplest way I could put it. Um, you know, everybody's kind of uh, on their own. We're, we're certainly in touch, and, and there's certainly a plan for the workouts and what we're doing, um, and, and we're keeping a focus to that. Um, but quite honestly, since the season got pushed back a month, I think it's smarter for us to uh, to wait on anything intensely organized as a team. Um, you know, I've been here six years, so, you got guys who've been hearing me for three, four years now, um, I'm sure they could, uh, they could wait on that. So, uh, we don't want to burn them out, this is a marathon, it's not a sprint, uh, and certainly as we get closer and we're able, we're, we're going to look forward to some, some on-ice stuff, and we're hoping, um, you know, end of September, maybe October, we can get groups of, of 10 or less, assuming we can go through kind of the three-phase format that we're, we're shooting for as far as a return to play. Um, and so if the numbers continue to, to go in that direction, as far as what's being reported and, and shows up on campus, um, then we'll be able to hopefully take that next step. And hopes so, of uh you know, potentially in December getting on as a team if possible, but um, the ice is not in here yet. <clears throat> I did see them working on the boards the other day and the, the temperature dropped in the building. So that's a good sign. Um, but I do think some of our guys are going to make some trips to Chandler and um, get on the ice when they can, uh, where they can. I know Jesse Lowell's got a place in Scottsdale, and I know he's been up there. Uh, he's a he's a bit of a workout freak as it is, so he he has to keep it going, and he, he wants to keep working out and staying on the ice. So he's skating up there. Um, you know, I know there's a bunch of guys who have stayed home just for that reason, who are not on campus. It's online, and that's where their ice is available, and so. Um, It's been a bit of an adjustment, a scattered plan, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm kind of just pushing things back a month in my – kind of my timetable.
1: And, Coach, you said, you know, you've been around the University of Arizona for for six years, and uh, I had the uh, real pleasure of – I, I called them part of your coaching tree. And I asked you about a coaching tree, and you said, what tree? <laughs> but yeah. but I'll tell you, I had a chance to uh, to get to St. Louis, and the reason I wanted to do it, Coach, was, uh, number one, I wanted to, to see John and his facility there, and I'm talking about John Hogan. But also, I had uh, gotten wind that the uh, national tournament will be over there a year from now, and who knows, maybe with COVID it might sneak in a little earlier. So I thought, uh, why not go talk about – the the prospects of bringing a national ACHA tournament uh, to the, uh, the heartland, basically St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, let uh, Centene and, and uh, Maryville university be the host. So uh, we had a great visit at the Sunday special was up. It's been very, very popular. But one of the things that that he talked about was um, what he learned from you, both him and his brother. And, and I said, I flipped the tables on him. I said, maybe coach berman learned something from you too maybe you guys were some of the guys that helped build his program uh your thoughts on both of those
3: yeah i mean absolutely i i try to learn from from everybody i talk to and anywhere i can get, gather information or get better i'm all about it so um certainly the hogan and i really should say the entire hogan family has played a really important role in, in my life and and this program and the impact they've made um you know john was a player a coach uh, and now is a friend, which is crazy to say. Um, uh, but a lot of people don't also realize John Hogan scored one of the biggest goals in the history of our program. Um, early on in his time here, you know, we were uh, obviously when he took this program over, we had to kind of claw it back together and turn it back into, into the right direction, and um, and that took a lot to make that happen. But um, we were fortunate eventually to break our 13 year streak of, of not being in the national tournament, we got into the tournament. Uh, we go into overtime in the first round and sure enough the Dylan Carter was our captain at the time where there's the Carter Tuffy and John Hogan line We're out there buzzing and doing what they do and there's a nice little escape cycle from uh, From Carter down low to Toppy, and Toppy passed it out to John uh, And John Barry, and so we won our first national tournament game in a long long time off the stick of John and uh, you know John just had a way of knowing where to be he was he was one of the most intelligent off the puck players I've had uh, I know a lot goes into the skating but if you're focused on that you're missing everything that John brought as a player um, and he was just so smart and, and fed off of his brother obviously uh, and probably my favorite moment of that as we're freaking out because you know we finally broke the curse here and we got, got to the tournament and then we got a win and I was happy it was John you know there's some guys you really feel particularly happy for when that moment happens and I look over and Brian Hogan, who's a very calm, uh, collected guy, is <laughs> the dad, is jumping up on the glass and shaking it like a barbarian. So uh, <laughs> that is the moment I'll take from that and I'll never forget
1: it. Uh, one quick follow up to that, uh, Coach, was, uh, you know, we were looking around the facility and, and I asked him, I said, uh, Coach Berman been to see you yet? And he goes, No. And I'm kind of afraid to bring them here because I think you'd be jealous. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I hear they have frozen water. Um, yeah, I've seen. I see it on film. It looks great. I'm sure it's a really nice setup. And obviously, Lindenwood's got a nice setup. But, I mean, that should be a great uh, opportunity for the national tournament. It Should be a great venue to put on to um, a good part of hockey as far as in the country. Um, and uh, I know you touched on this, I listened to the John Hogan podcast you guys had there about it being centrally located, I do think that helps um, St. Louis, Chicago, it makes more sense for everybody, um, you know, we had it out in Texas, um, you know, for the first time in forever, you would have thought the teams on the East Coast thought the world was coming to an end, so it's like, well, it's what we've been doing for about 15, 20 years, so um, yeah, it's not too fun, is it? Uh, uh, so how I mind the central location? If we can possibly bust there, even if it's long, it, it certainly makes the logistics on our end a lot better. Uh, and, and, and additionally, if it, if it were to happen this year, um, I think it increases the odds of any team out west being able to get to that national tournament because who knows?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Steven, go
2: ahead. Well, as it stands right now, the, the national tournament is still scheduled to be in Boston if they're in New England. So that's going to be quite interesting if that takes place there, uh, I guess what are the what would be the, the the challenges of having to go way out to the east? I mean, you uh, to play uh, in this tournament. I mean, obviously there's cost things and everything. You can't bus to New England, so you'd have to fly. But um, how how much are you hoping maybe that it does get switched around a little bit? Maybe maybe St. Louis this year. Maybe it goes back to New England in a couple of years, or or you're just your team player, whatever works out. You just hope to get back to hockey and wherever you got, if you can get a chance to play in wherever you're gonna play.
3: Well, I I can give you both sides of that. I mean, certainly I trust the powers that be. I think we've got um, uh, the best commissioner in in the ACHA. Uh, No disrespect to anyone else. I just just have the utmost respect for Chris Perry. He's very responsive. He cares a lot about this league. Um, And if Chris Perry tells me this is the best thing that we can do, then I'm gonna trust him and we're gonna focus on what we can control and try to do our best to win that thing. Obviously, I have an opinion. I'm never shy of sharing it. So, uh, in my opinion, it would be the smartest thing for collectively for the ECHA to have a more um, central location. I know there's a lot of teams right now who are sweating the amount of uh, the number of teams in the tournament. Uh, and I certainly think that's a discussion um, that they're having. Uh, but to me, the location is, is priority number one of my concerns. Uh, and I'll be biased or not, but if us, UNLV, ASU, one of us goes. And like you said, we're going to have to put our guys in a, in a flight across country, get into hotels. Just right, right now it's scheduled to have, what, division one, two, three. Um, so we're going to have a, a ton of teams in one small area. I think that starts to raise some concerns, especially not knowing where we'll be at that time. Um, so it, it, certainly I'm hoping it becomes a more centrally located thing. We need to be proactive and uh, and get ahead and anticipate any challenges we may have to give ourselves the best shot at uh, not just starting, but finishing. To me, finishing is really, really important. I'm not looking at my seniors in the eye again and telling them uh, that they don't get to, to finish the career they want. That was really difficult to do. Um, and so to me, it's like I want to make sure we have the right plan in place so that when we start, uh, we can get through it, we can finish. There's a conference champion, there's a national champion, and certainly uh, we hope that we're we're part of that national tournament. But... We also are very aware of the challenge and, and what that could create. As far as I don't know if it'll ever be tougher to get into the national tournament, having to get through a UCO, a UNLV, an ASU, a Missouri State, or an Oklahoma, and you got to win three in a row in one of our playoffs here. You know, that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, and so um, that's what you play for, though. That's what we got. Certainly, it's what players come here for to win win championships. We play for team pictures. So, um, and, and to be a part of something special. So, that's what it's all about. And, Man, just talking about it gets me excited and I hope we get
2: that opportunity. So I want to follow up on that. Uh so you we talked about this before what the what the layout might be for the season when the season does resume hopefully in January and the, the, the it seems like the momentum is leaning towards doing a conference tournament type thing where you'll have all the teams in the in the tournament playing. Honestly, I think regular season you'd probably depending on how you do in the regular season where you'd be placed in the tournament just like you you see in in other sports, in, in college sports, and then you all play, and then the w- winner of that moves on to the, the national tournament. Is, is that kind of where things are leaning towards at this point?
3: Yeah, we did, we did a coach's vote, and that's where we settled. Uh, the voting came out that we would have the uh, top four teams out of each region would be meeting for a tournament, a single elimination tournament, a playoff tournament. Uh, four would play one in a crossover and two, three in a crossover. Um, and essentially, it'll be a three-day tournament, so you got to win three in a row, and not only, um, you know, not only does that determine our conference champion, but that will determine, uh, as of now, the, potentially, what could, could be the only seed in the national tournament. Um, so, heck of a lot riding on it. Um, you know, at first, when I heard that kind of idea, I cringed. I mean, obviously, we're not looking to give up our our, uh, our cup. I'm looking at it right now. I'm not looking to give this thing up, so... Um, we've we've fought hard to keep this thing in Tucson, and um, you know we've earned it over the last couple of years, and so now it's going to come down to a one and done. And uh, the more thought I gave into it, the more I embraced it because, first of all, I just think it'll be a great opportunity of great hockey uh, to showcase our conference. I think we have one of the best conferences in the country, and um, to have that on display in one area and have a playoff, I think would be a lot of fun. I was a part of the playoff scenario when I was at RMU. We we actually won the playoff in overtime against Ohio, and I just. That's one of my great memories of coaching in college hockey, it's just such a fun event. Um, but as I started kind of looking at what they're trying to do, what that does is that gives us from January to March, uh, late March, early April, where if we had a team cancel or were any kind of who knows that could come up, the disruption of the schedule um, allows for that flexibility. Because at, at the end of the day, it's all going to be determined in March. Sure, we want to get a high seed and compete for that. Uh, to put ourselves in the best position, but, um, you know, we could really focus on the process, which is what we're all about
1: here. Yeah, you know, and Coach, that makes a lot of sense, and and, and I talked to uh, Chris Perry when we had him on uh, two weeks ago, and I said, you know, if it were me and I were in his shoes or the ACHE shoes, um, I would kind of try to do what the NFL did at draft time. I mean, uh, the pandemic was just beginning to, take hold of the country and everybody wondered what was going to happen with the NFL draft and they turned to zoom and virtual things and and they made it a really fun, enjoyable, different experience. So, you know, I, I said that to Chris is what I think I would do if I were in that position is if you get started in January and you move the national tournament back three weeks, like you have um, just go get it go get some excitement, you know, do whatever you have to have. And that certainly would be exciting, a uh, four from the east, four from the west type tournament, uh, and uh, and do it somewhere where, you know, everybody could play on a neutral site. And you you threw an idea out at me. I don't know if you're able to talk about it or not, but I know you made a proposal about how that might work if, if you were in charge of it. But uh, just being able to play at a neutral site to me seems like it, it's pretty fair for everybody, right?
3: Yeah, uh, you know, obviously, we did, we did look into hosting it at our place, but there's a monster truck rally, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> monster truck on ice. But, uh, I, I, I certainly I think a neutral a neutral venue makes a lot of sense given the circumstances. Um, you know, all these teams have such a home ice advantage. Like, playing ULV at home is, is a, it's a step. That's another step up. Playing ASU at home is a step up. Uco is one of the hardest buildings for us to go and play in historically for us. It's it's just difficult. So I like the neutral. Um, I like the neutral environment uh, with everything on, uh, that's at hand. At the same time, I'm comfortable if we go to places and we're showcasing other teams and other buildings. Certainly, we'd love to host it in Tucson sometime. I think um, the people of Tucson, the youth hockey communities, would, would love to uh, uh, would love to see that. And you know if we're all about growing hockey, then we can all do our part. And so um, we have put in a bid to host the tournament. We'd we'd like to host it um, in Scottsdale. Um, We're up against three or four other bids, Um, but we're gonna potentially do this in conjunction with Grand Canyon and ASU. And I think that's a cool thing to have, you know, our three schools get together and work together. And, um, you know, we'll see you on the ice, but at the same time, we have great respect for each other. Um, and, and so we'd love to do that. It would uh, we think we could put on a really nice show. And again, just I just think about the youth hockey teams in the Phoenix area for them to see a UNLV Oklahoma game or something like that to really understand that we've got some really nice name recognition universities. We've got really, really good hockey players. I mean, if you were to look at our recruiting class, UNLV's recruiting class, and you put them blind on a wall next to some SUNYAC or other Division three schools, you would say, that's a solid recruiting class. I mean, that's just the caliber of hockey we have. Um, and sometimes you just got to see it to understand it, uh, to see the speed and physicality and the depth and, and, and how difficult it is to be successful at this level. Um, I would love to be able to bring that to Scottsdale and to showcase it and do our part to help grow the program. And um, I just think there's a lot we could do with that. So we shall see that uh, there should be a decision coming soon
1: yeah that's a that's a really good idea I know a lot of people uh, had ideas and other bids like you said are thrown in there so you never know until you know but um, that would certainly be a, a fun environment and uh, I just want to bounce a couple things off of you again in regards to other considered levels like the NCAA and the USHL um, USHL's plan is to bring their guys back in October uh, have them work out and hopefully start a game schedule in November uh, with limited fans um, we see that with the NFL now in some cities are going to have limited fans I think uh, I just came through Kansas City and I thought I heard uh, on the news last night that they said, it would be 16,000 fans, and they're asking Andy Reid when was the last time he coached in front of 16,000. So uh, it's different. So that's the plan for USHL. Um, I don't know if you've heard this, Coach, but uh, on the NCAA level, there's been talk with some conferences like the Big Ten actually putting a bubble environment together. This was one that was thrown out where uh, the Big Ten schools would all go uh, right around break time in November – And go to a bubble situation at Notre Dame and play a series of games for uh, a lengthy time um, with the kids then coming back to class in the the spring semester going online. Um, Did you hear that, first of all? And and if you did or didn't, what do you think about that situation?
3: Yeah, that's really, I have not heard that. That's interesting. Um, Boy. Uh, uh, I think it gets really complicated. Like, at the NCAA Dojo level, you might be able to do that because there's, I guess you could say there's enough dollars uh, at at hand being discussed in those kind of conversations. Um, I think where it gets complicated is, you know, these these guys are paying to go to school. Like, in the USHL, they can make a decision that's the best decision for their roster of 26 players and six coaches or whatever they have. They can't just make that decision here like at Arizona. It's not just about our 30 players and our few coaches. It's about the 45,000 students. And unfortunately, it's got to be a fair environment, however you like it or don't like it. Um, I don't see them saying for us, you know, hey, school's not going to go on, but we want to make sure hockey happens. I just think that creates a whole other dilemma. Um, and so the, I guess the, how those things get handled get a little more... Um, uh, political in a sense, I guess, but at the same time, too, it, it's, uh, it requires a lot of funding. So if the USAHO has the contacts and the NHL and the resources to make that happen and they feel like they have a good plan, then I'm hopeful for those kids that they get to play and compete and finish out their junior opportunities and, and, and beyond.
1: Steven, you got one more?
2: Yeah. You know, I, you know we, we always talk about how, how you guys at, the, at your level – um, so so dependent upon funding, and obviously the the, the school, and 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 certainly the NCA programs. And I think in something like this, you are certainly really dependent upon the if 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 we you know that the Pac-12 sports for the fall are postponed until January, and uh, in Mountain West here in Las Vegas, or in, you know, or, or UNLV is is postponed as well, and. And and we're gonna see if, if if they can get things going. I think that obviously you guys are kind of in a situation where the priority is gonna be on on the NCA programs to, to get going. And if, if they can if, if it's safe for them to get going, then there'll be a pathway for you guys. But if there's not a pathway right now for, for them to get going, it makes it tough for you guys at, at the at the level you guys are at to, to get going. Um, I, I would think, right?
3: Yeah, certainly. Um and again, we you know all we can do with that is is focus on ourselves and prepare ourselves. I mean, we've got contingency plans like every everybody. But, um, you know, this thing's this thing's uh, it's just a wild experience, but we're all trying to problem solve it, um, which is essentially what we are as coaches. So it's nothing new. We're always problem solving. Uh, but you know, then what happens if you know programs like ours and, and the UNLVs that do uh, do rely on the income uh, revenue of ticket sales and stuff? What does that look like? So. Um, you know, I think this is where I get back to hiding in my little, my little cubby hole and pretending the rest of this stuff isn't on, on the surface until I, until I have to cross those paths. We're prepared for different options. We certainly want to get on the ice as soon as we can. We don't want to put our, our student athletes in any position that would be dangerous or not safe for them. Um, uh, and so this is just, to me, one of those moments where it's about doing the right thing. And what's the right thing? And, and boy, we can all argue that up and down the tree as much as we want. But if we all kind of, you know, cooperate here, I think it would help quite a bit. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I didn't know what to expect in my conversations with my players, but I, I got a good feeling the players understand it. it'd be easier for them to say, oh, whatever, we're going to go and do all, whatever we want. Um, in my conversations, uh, especially with Coos, it seems like they have a good grip on, you know, we're going to kind of have to count on each other to, to, to keep this away and out of our locker room and, um, I think they understand, you know, stay out of groups and be outdoors if you're in a gathering, but don't be close to people. And, and you know, at the end of the day, if each one of our programs can focus on doing those things, um, I'm hopeful that we can that we can make this happen. And, you know, we talked about the plan. I think that gives us some flexibility. Um, you know, we're scheduling games now, we're, uh, we've, we've adjusted. We're, you know, a few months away. We're also hoping to get on the ice in October. So um, our hopes are starting to get up. We're starting to focus in on what we're what we're going to do in the next phase. Hopefully, we can move on to this little summer extended summer training that we're in now and start talking about hockey and, and all that good stuff. Uh,
2: another question I have too is: Have you guys looked at? I, I don't I mean have you guys looked at what you guys can do? Maybe in the meantime, like uh, to keep like engagement with the fans. Like uh, you, you can do like anything with having like player like doing like online things with the players interacting with 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 fans or, or, or just kind of keeping – or maybe go reviewing past games and moments in, in the in the team, just looking at ways to kind of keep people engaged in, in, in Arizona hockey this fall uh, while we wait for hockey to, to start so up in, in fun- January.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you say that because we, we just recorded on Friday. Um, we did a Zoom interview with myself. Uh, Tom Callahan is the host, who will be our broadcaster this year. Um and the four captains that we have: Coos, Bailey, um, Josie, and Hall. Uh, and so, kind of introducing the two new captains, kind of talking about what's going on with the team, the program, um, the plan. We, we sent out our letter to our season ticket holders to give them, um, you know, direct knowledge of what's going on, and they were able to attend the Zoom. And uh, now we're going through the editing process, and that will be out on our social media and website soon. But absolutely, we're um, we're always looking to. Um, what do we control? What can we do? And more importantly, like I said 100 times in the show, where's the opportunity? The opportunity is re engage with our audience uh, in different ways, so we're going to do stuff like that. Um, we are going to open up a school store here online that's going to have some hockey apparel uh, that's going to be going up with shirts, hats, uh, potentially some replica jerseys, and uh, we think that's a brand new opportunity at this open time. is. Uh, kind of afforded us to be able to focus and zoom in on. So we're close to to bringing that out uh, out to the public here. And so, um, you know, those are the small victories for now until we can start focusing on uh, how to score more on the other team.
1: Okay, Coach. uh, Tom does a great job for you and he's going to continue to do a great job for you because uh, he's just professional in all aspects. But how much do you miss a guy like Tim Gasson right now? Because, yeah. You, you can only imagine what Tim Gasson would have done with a time like this. Um, it would have been in his wheelhouse, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I probably have a little more free time because I've never had a phone call under an hour with Tim. I just remember <laughs> I picked up. I knew it was a commitment. So, um, you know, it's funny you bring that up because another thing I'm working on right now, um, we're going to put a – we're going to have a um, – the TCC up in the breezeway at the top, kind of by Wilco, where you enter into the arena, they're giving us a big section of the wall and we're going to have a history of Wildcat Hockey up there. So that's another thing I'm working on right now and I'm honestly, I am i don't know if you know how to say this, but I'm, I'm learning a lot about the history of my program and um, different players <laughs> who have come through here and different things that have happened, so it's been a, uh, an interesting learning process for myself but you know as i'm trying to do this research i'm kind of like okay who should i call and of course the first person that comes to mind the best person i could possibly call right now would have been uh, tim Gasson. and uh you know i guess the positive in that is, is it allows you to think about him some more and reflect and uh i have some idea of things he would say and uh, and i'm sure we would be working on all kinds of things and he'll certainly be missed here in this program but he will definitely be a big picture on that wall and we want to honor him because uh, everybody who knows Tim Gasson, that Tim Gasson is Wildcat hockey. He's been around this thing for a while, and you know, you just don't meet him that that passionate about this program. And so, um, you know, it's been uh, it's been tough that he's gone, but certainly there's a lot of great memories we get to reflect on.
1: You know, one and one of the things I think you have to have is if you can round up a picture of. Tim with that rubber chicken that got it all started when he used to shake the rubber, <laughs> shake the rubber chicken way back when. Yeah. Uh, that that might be something, but um, I, I want to talk also about uh, the growth again because I don't think we can talk about this enough. Um, as I look back when we started Ice Time Hockey Southwest, and and I was looking at all the programs and what was happening here and there and. Um, Man, oh man! Uh, credit to all you guys, and, and I say that from you, the job you've done, and and Anthony and Nick up in UNLV, and Danny and, and Tate, and and you know even Powers, what he's done to help help build this program, uh, the ACHA program I'm talking about. But man, oh man, I don't know if I would have ever have dreamed that there would be so much talent so quickly and uh, doing such big things. I mean, had COVID not stepped in we might already have a national champion from down in the desert Southwest again. And I certainly think there's a pattern right now, where the WCHL is going to keep producing national champions, uh, quite frequently. So, so kudos to you, first of all, but, but second of all, did you think that it was going to go like this, uh, that everybody would get better?
3: Yeah, I certainly hoped. I mean, like we all want to beat each other's brains up in, in a weird way we all need each other you know to rise up together and so um like i, I was i was excited and more than happy to pick up a phone to, to help make sure Grand canyon was a d1 team because we need more local teams around here and that that program's only going to grow they've got a year you know of division one underneath them now. Uh, those kids have all seen it, so they're going to be able to build off that, build off the recruiting class. I'm sure they'll take another step. Um, ASU, um, they got a lot of good players there. Uh, let's face it, between Klur, Lackey, uh, Larson, uh, you know, I mean, I, there's a there's a list, a list of guys I could go through there. Uh, Dominic Moore, Um they're not going to. It's not going to take much for them to be a top ten team. A couple pieces here and there, and the Rice guys, um, and that's going to be a team that's going to take another step. Um, I'm not discouraged when I see UNLV get the kind of recruiting class that they have. That excites me. I mean, I'm a competitor. That's why I still do this stuff, ride these buses. I, I mean, I want to play the best teams, and, um, and those games are fun. And so I get excited when I see UNLV building the, the depth of their talent. Uh, and then don't think – I mean, I'm a stubborn competitor. I see that stuff, and I'm saying, good, I'm going to get back on the phone, to I'm going I'm to get one up there. And um, It's a petty game that I play in my mind. Uh, but I love to compete out of whatever you want to make up. Uh, and so, you know, to see all these teams in this area continue to grow their programs and build, I think it's great for our strength to make the schedule our, our gate. Um, and for the game of hockey out west, on top of, you know, ASU's D1 team and the Vegas Knights, and you got the Roadrunners, um, it really is amazing to see kind of how this has all come together. But uh, it's, it's just so much more fun when it's competitive. Uh, and so, the best I can say is it's gone about as, as well, as I could have hoped out here, as far as the way things are kind of just building and snowballing. And I really believe um, this is just the beginning, and, and I do believe that uh, a national champion out of our conference is due very soon here. Has been Benson's UCL. All
2: right, Stephen,
1: you got one more?
2: So, I, I guess my question would be you know, we. we we know that UNLV and Grand Canyon is, is coming into the, they're officially now in the conference. And, and I think about what an interesting time to be coming into the conference. Now, when we talked about earlier, the format that is going to be presented to, to get a spot in the national tournament. And just thinking about now, even more the level of competition that, that you will have to face in addition to those, you know, to, to get a spot in the tournament, I guess I want to follow up on what we said earlier about the format, how much, do you think that that's something that could go forward in the future, having like a conference tournament type thing? Is that something that's feasible to go forward beyond this year when things are more normal? Or you think it's something that's just going to be unique for this this season? Or is yeah, it going to be I wait and see?
3: I, I would say it's a little bit of all of that. I mean, I think it would be great to have it. I, again, I was a part of that in the CSHL there. Um, going through that that playoff, it's, a, it's another opportunity for your organization to win a championship, to take a team picture – that be proud for your players to have an experience that they'll never forget. I will never forget the RMU goal, drop pass, cuts across, slap shot, goal. We won in overtime to be Ohio. I'll never forget it. I mean, and, that, and the players don't either. I, I still talk to those RMU guys, uh, and we reflect on that game and the national tournament run, and we, we cut out the ending of the national tournament run. But, you know, like those are the – what that's what life's about, and that's what we want to create for our players, are the memories that they have, um, you know, like – these guys hockey has has made so many relationships in my life and it's something I try to press on them to make them understand you know when you're sitting that locker guys your your best man's probably in this room your closest friends are in this room I'm still on a text chain with my friends from uh, Fredonia State where I played college hockey um, you just you don't lose those relationships and so I, I, and I would like them to go out the right way uh, and to have that kind of experience that we can come back 10 20 years from now and and just reflect on it and talk about how great that was. And, um, you know, that's what that does. So I would love to see it I, until it's geographically feasible. It doesn't make sense. Like on the, on the prior setup, it doesn't make sense to have another trip for this conference to have to travel like they would. Um, now if we can get some California teams and this conference really gets segmented into one area, I think, um, definitely that's something that can happen. I don't think it's far fetched in the near future here, but, it's just been, you know, geographically, it's been a challenge. Uh, but I certainly think it would be a great thing for our conference. And it's a great, great, and I mean great, prep for the national tournament because you get a trial run of one and done against, you know, top teams. Um, and you learn a lot about yourselves, your team, and what it takes to, to put together a run, and you're going to have to in that national tournament.
2: And then playing back-to-back days, too, because in the national tournament, it's depending you know, you playing well, four and four, or three or four and five, depending on how the the seating is. And so, if you get to play a tournament uh, style, like they do in other sports, like basketball, they have the conference tournament and the NCA tournament, and and they're playing, you know, multiple nights. That would give you guys uh, preparation to be to play that kind of a schedule for the national tournament.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, we saw some of that preparation, and, and when we had the three game weekends we've had the last few years. I wasn't mm-hmm. a huge fan of three game weekends, and it. it, it it raises injury concerns and fatigue, and um, it, it just brings a lot of concerns, I think, for a coach. But if there's a positive, it did prepare us for the national tournament because, like you said, if you're going to win it, you're going to need four wins in five days. So uh, you better be able to string them together and play bruised and play tired and uh, and keep on going. So it, it certainly does help.
1: All right, coach. Last one for me. You kind of touched on it uh, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. We brought on the uh, the guys from UCLA, uh, they, they wanted to talk hockey. They, they thought what was happening over here was really great. They, they've they been following along, trying to get the roadmap to figure out how they can get their program, not only at UCLA but at USC and and such, to go from Division two to Division one. And one of their stumbling blocks right now is the fact that all they have are Division II teams in California and uh, in their drivable area, uh, unless they're going to drive over here. Um, and right now they're worried about um, now I shouldn't say worried. That's the wrong word. Um, they're trying to come up with a plan on how they can finance to be able to come over and play you and play ASU and GCU and, and other teams over here to try to maybe start to build that opportunity. So I think you answered my question when you said you'd love to have that. Uh, but the second part of it is uh, when I talked to NCAA people, they were really – genuinely fearful that this pandemic might end NCAA programs a lot a lot of them because they thought of the financial part of it but instead we've seen teams like Liberty start up we've seen uh, Alaska Anchorage uh, announce that they're going away but now they're having a, a, a trying to get a reprieve we saw uh, it go away in in Alabama but then come back with support of the fan base and um, the talk now that I heard when I was in St. Louis is Lindenwood is really close to moving up to NCAA hockey. Um, that type of growth is, is good for all all hockey, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it provides more opportunity. There's a lot of kids out there right now um, that want to play college hockey uh, and get that experience. And, you know, it can be challenging to, to get the right fit for yourself. Because there's so many elements to finding the right fit for yourself when you go to college. Um, first of all, the school's got to provide the kind of education you know, you're looking for. If you want to be a nurse and they don't provide it, that's probably not a real good school for you. So academically, it's got to align with why you're there, obviously. Um, and, and then the next step is uh, where do I fit in the team and the roster? Uh, what kind of guys, what kind of culture is the program? What kind of, what's the coach about? Am I gonna fit in or am I gonna be four years of miserable or uh, does he understand how to utilize me in my game? Um, and so the more opportunities these guys have, uh, the more options they have, uh, it's only better for the game of hockey and growth. There's a lot of really good players that don't get that division one scholarship um, and, and there's other things out there. And I think you're seeing it and I think our league's really, really highlighting it. Again, if you look at these recruiting classes of the top recruiting classes, um, stack them up with D3 teams. I'd love to see it. Uh, it's, it's just I think people are understanding the value of the big universities coming out west. A different experience. Um, and by the way, you can you can win a national championship and play at a very very high level. Um, you know, and that's that's part of that's part of what's going on. So we're kind of we're we're part of a time. That we're witnessing some tremendous growth. It's, it's fun to be a part of it. I'm proud to be a part of it. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to build our program so that we can continue to be a positive part of that growth.
1: Okay. We'll let you go on this one, Coach, because you've uh, taken more than, more than plenty of time with us tonight, and I appreciate that. Um, one of the things that I'm kind of a proponent of is uh, usually NCAA teams will get one exhibition game. And I remember when I covered North Dakota hockey, they usually played the University of Manitoba. Right, and and it was a you know it was a pretty easy game for them. I know you played uh, Greg's team uh, the first year that they were a hybrid program. Uh, LIU the wants game, to come actually, and, yeah. yeah, and LIU wants to come out and play games like that. Wouldn't it be exciting and, and really be a growth of the game if if we could get NCAA teams to to play an exhibition against uh, an ACHA D one team in their area?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think it it takes the right team to do it. I mean, I've certainly had more discussions with Greg about doing that again. And um, when he brings it up, I'm straight up with him. I'm like, I love it and I hate it. Um, That's a heck of a program. (laughs) It's (laughs) a heck of a program. I mean, that's a ton of depth talent. Um, You know, it's a whole other step with that level. Let's face it, they're paying those kids to go to school and paying for their school. So. Um, it's just a, it's a whole other step. We found a part of their practice. Uh, I think it was two years ago. It was a morning skate, um, and I don't know where they find people that big that move that well. But uh, kudos to their recruiting class <laughs> up there at ASU. Um, it's just uh, it would certainly be fun. Um, it'd be fun to do in like a Gila River setting, and it'd be great to to, to be a part of. Um, and, and I'm certainly not going to turn down a challenge because it's hard. That's just not the way I'm wired. I just uh, got to figure out how we could do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Okay, Coach Berman, thanks for joining us. Uh, always great insight. Uh, we'll be waiting with bated uh, breath on the, on the bid to come out. So as soon as you know, tell us, and we'll be happy to tell the world.
3: <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I think it'd be great. It'd be awesome. So, well, uh, fingers crossed, and we'll see where it goes.
1: All right, Coach, have a good evening. Uh, Continue to stay safe and and get those guys all together and on the ice sooner rather than later, okay?
3: Absolutely. Scott, Stephen, thanks for having me as always, Uh, and you guys keep up good work.
1: All right, that's Coach Chad Berman with the University of Arizona. Stephen and I are going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from some of our partners, and then we're going to come back and wrap up another episode of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. We'll be back in about four minutes.
4: I have a car whose lease is up soon, and I'll be looking around for the best deal that I can get. I have certain parameters that I'm looking for in the next vehicle. For example, I want a car that qualifies for a New York State HOV sticker. But being on Long Island won't stop me from taking advice from hockey great Shane Doan, and I'll be checking out Bell Ford and bellford.com. Bell Ford, the presenting partner of our new season of the Sunday special at icetimehockeysw.com, was voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona. So go, shop with Shane Doan shops. Talk to Kevin Wood. Let him know that IcetimeHockeySW.com sent you, and let him give you the all-star treatment online or at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix. Free game like a pro, post game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located in downtown Tempe at 740 South Mill Avenue, College Bar and Grill is the place for the best local craft beers, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. A short walk from Sun Devil Stadium or Desert Financial Arena. Stop by for lunch or dinner, game day or any day. College Bar and Grill. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, Visit us at mexicanmoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cansion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011.
0: I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination
4: of brisket, hot lakes, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a
0: fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly.
1: All right, and we're back. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you, uh, not from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona tonight, but from beautiful Vail, Colorado. Beautiful and chilly Vail, Colorado. Stephen Marsh, my co-host, as always, from uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. where I understand it cooled off just a tad for you too, Stephen.
2: It did, and and it it did. It got a little. It got uh, very windy, but it seems like the wind has died down. We also had the smoke from the fires in California. By the way, we should mention. It's, uh people in California we, we're, we're thinking of them because there's a lot of fires burning there right now in fact very eerie to see a lot of the places in California the skies are so orange and red looking because of all the the fire and the smoke that's in the in the air obviously and 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 it's, so it's we're hoping we're thinking of them out there but we have some yeah, of that ab- here
1: absolutely and I'm glad you brought that up because it's not just the fires—they're bad enough, but that smoke that is all over everywhere—you're talking about it being into Arizona, a lot into Nevada—and uh, yeah. you gotta imagine what it's like to live within just that smoky environment. That's
2: not good either, right? And I guess the one silver lining is that everybody's wearing masks right now, so maybe that'll help keep you from <laughs> breathing too much of the of the smoke in. But uh, but yeah, it's—and uh, I was looking—they were they were supposed to play other playing a baseball game tonight in, in Oakland, I believe. I don't know if they still were, but I mean, <laughs> I would think it would be pretty unhealthy oh. to be playing around in a baseball game in that kind of, in that kind of haze, but uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But, but yeah, it's uh yeah. Well, I, I wanted to get your thoughts
1: on, on coach Berman's discussion. I mean, he talked to me a little bit um, off camera and I'm not going to uh, off microphone, I should say um, off the record. And, <laughs> yeah. Off the record. Uh, there you go. Um, and he, there's some great ideas circulating around. And like I said, I just wanted to plug him a little bit uh, for the work that he's doing because it was his idea to uh, to bring three teams together to host something uh, in Scottsdale and put a bid together, and he did a lot of the work on it. I know the other coaches as well stepped up, but um, he does a lot of work on that. And I know we mentioned earlier that Danny Roy at GCU had, had offered up um, – hosting at uh, Prescott Valley. We know that UNLV is offered uh, city national arena as a bid site. So there's a lot of stuff going on and, you know, kudos to the hockey guys for not throwing in the towel, if you will, during the middle of a pandemic, because th- life goes on, right? I mean, you have to be safe, you have to be careful, but you still got to continue for what's going to happen after the pandemic, which we all hope is sooner rather than later.
2: Absolutely, and you know we had we had Chris Perry on, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, wherever it was, and, and we talked about how there is a lot of a lot of great venues in the in the WCHL that can can host uh, something like this uh, this season. Uh, we, we talked about uh, Arizona's got capable spots, um, Las Vegas with City National, also with the New Henderson facility if they wanted to try to make it a, a neutral site, not playing you know these home rink so to speak. And I think that's important because, and Colorado has one up there, but you know, and U- in Utah, and Salt Lake could possibly do it. But uh, you know, I, I think you, I think you mentioned about that neutral side. and, and it's not, the, it's not the most uh, important thing in the world. But I think there's something to be said. I mean, when we, when you watch a lot of these uh, tournaments and, and, and for colleges, and, and certainly any sport, it's always, you know, not, not just talking about just for the NCA tournament, talking about for conference tournaments, they're usually held in some. Uh, central location or, or you know, neutral location uh, that's not at one of the schools and their home rink or home court or wherever it is. And, and then, you know, Las Vegas, we, you know, the only exception is UNLV does host the mountain West conference tournament for basketball each year in their, in their building, but they put a lot of effort into to make it that's not UNLV home advantage so to speak. And actually UNLV hasn't won the tournament in, in quite a while, even though it's been on their home floor. So um, I think that's, something to be said about that. Um, And someplace in in, in Scottsdale, as much as I hate to to give uh, props to Arizona and and, and over Vegas, but it would be – it's easy for – it would be easy probably for a lot of the teams to get there. In Las Vegas, it's it's an easy bus ride. Uh, Utah probably, you know, it's a little bit – obviously the Arizona schools would all be right there. Um, Same with Vegas. I mean, Vegas is certainly easy to get to, and and we have the capability here as well, City National, but you could – maybe the Henderson facility could be a – could be a place if it's that way it's 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 not a city national but it's it's vegas still but um we'll see what happens um but yeah i think it's it's good that they're continuing to try to do these things during this time because you got to you have to keep moving forward uh, at some point this will this will subside and, and we'll and you want to be prepared for when that happens you can't just say you know it's going to be we're just we're just going to sit and wait until until the opportunity you know you gotta you gotta keep moving forward you gotta you gotta keep thinking about different scenarios and what you can do and and what you can't do you know I thought it was important to ask what maybe they can do to kind of engage fans during these times and you know that they've already had some stuff that they've that they've kind of put together that they'll be releasing soon and and I think you just got to you just got to keep moving forward you got to try to make things as normal as possible during these these times you know the NFL is going to start up this week and and we're going to we're going to see what happens i mean and and baseball's been moving forward and it's you know, it's 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 you, you kind of gotten used to how it looks. I mean, you know, there's no fans in the stands, the pumped-piped noise, the, the cardboard cutouts. But you've been watching it. There's been some some moments of scariness with outbreaks and stuff. But but the most part, the seasons move forward, and and uh, and that's great. And and we've gotten used to watching it. The same with the NHL and the NBA. We've just kind of gotten used to how it is at this time. And and, and so that's just what's what's important. So um, that keep moving forward.
1: Yep. Absolutely. And like I mentioned, uh, my trip to, uh, St. Louis, uh, found out a little bit more about Lindenwood. I know that they've always been, or very much been a power at ACHAD one. And when you look at their facility, um, you know why, <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic. Um, and, and we have, have a new and we, the jump. So no, go ahead. What? No, what well, I said sorry with, with Lindenwood, their, uh, the beauty of their program is their head coach is Rick Zombo, who played in the NHL in St. Louis, among other places, and also played at the University of North Dakota way back when. But he's uh, he's done a great job of, of building that into a pro style, an NCAA style um, program, right? And uh, I think the ACHA, the D one level, is sneaking closer and closer. That's why I threw that out there about maybe. Uh, perhaps having a uh, exhibition game, every NCAA team is allowed one exhibition, uh, and they can play it with whoever they want prior to the start of their season. Uh, so that might be kind of cool, just to, to tie the two together and, and then also find out just how far apart or how close they are. So anyway, that that's just uh, food for thought. Uh, one quick thing to mention as well, the Vegas Golden Knights evened up the series last night. I know you were watching. That looked a lot more like Vegas Golden Knights hockey to me. Um, they were a little bit, a little bit more loose. Uh, I think Ryan Reeves definitely made a a, a difference. I, I would say the, so. <laughs> I, I know the hit that he took um, resulted in a two minute penalty. But I don't know if you saw my tweet today. I said, as an official looking at that, a, a former official, I was a level four official at one point. That was contact to the head. That was leading uh, with your feet and jumping up to try to hit the person. And because Ryan Reeves is just such a physical specimen, uh, it got two minutes. Uh, the other thing that, that was frustrating, I thought, and it, you know, is like uh, the hit that um, Braden McNabb took to the face got a nasty cut uh, and a bloody nose. They give him a four minute uh, double minor, but there's only a minute and something left in a three, nothing shutout. Um, so, They get away with it, for lack of a better term, right? You get a double minor with four minutes. But in Ryan Reeves' case uh, against Vancouver, he makes a hit. He he gets his penalty. He gets suspended a game. He he gets a game misconduct for that game. Uh, They go on a five-minute major. Um, You know, I, I just want fairness. I don't care. And I think as an official, you have to look at the size of the player and you also have to look at the infraction and you have to say, okay, the the infraction was still it deserved of a major penalty and a game misconduct for contact of the head, even though the, the guy was bigger, right? And the same thing with, with Ryan Reeves. He gets hit a lot of times uh, when he hits somebody because he's bigger, right? So his yeah. shoulder is at head height. Um, and that, you know – I don't know. I just want fairness, and uh, that's my soapbox for tonight. So
2: take it away, and we'll uh, we'll say goodnight with a little De Niro from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. We should also mention that Paul won't be happy to hear this. Of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning one scored late in the third period in their game uh, to uh, beat the Islanders again. Uh, so it's two nothing in that series. So yeah, I, I wasn't bringing that up. I wasn't bringing oh, well, up that yeah. up. <laughs> I'll take the heat from Paul on that. <laughs> All right, Stephen. All right. It away. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by voted the best Ford dealer in Arizona, Bell Ford. The Arizona Ford Giant is presenting partner of the Sunday special. Asked to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey Southwest sent you to see the top lining of four trucks and more. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Our dining rooms, in accordance to CDC guidelines, are open in all 12 Valley locations and in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network. See Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and & Tatum and let him show you the power of the new T-Mobile. Now you can bring the best of Las Vegas home. Stop by Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located minutes from T-Mobile Arena New Allegiance Stadium at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard right here in Las Vegas, and pick up a bottle or three of our championship barbecue sauce home. By summer skates. Your team can design its own logo and show it off with pride on our koozies and shower shoes. Team discounts available. You can go to IcetimeHockeysSW.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Behind the Mask for all of your hockey needs. Visit any of our three locations or go to BehindTheMask.com. My college bar and grill in Tempe by ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, learn to play hockey sessions are back for kids and for kids at heart. See oceansideicerena.net for more details. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, score a Roger Klein hat trick. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and try each of our three styles of the best tasting tequila. Buy OxyPal, visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPal.com. Buy M Drive, go to MDriveForMen.com. Try our new Relax supplement for better sleep. M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. And by the Ice Dents, Scottsdale and Chandler. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly and all the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and are available for download at Apple Podcasts, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Newly available also on the TuneIn app. Let's see if it goes off here. Just ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the <laughs> Ice Time Hockey SW.com network.
1: Uh, one of these days you're going to get that going and you're going to get like, I don't know, 500 podcasts to listen to or something. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, fantastic. Stephen Marsh uh, always bringing it for us. Um, I want to throw out the fact we also have a pandemic playoff podcast coming up Sunday night 6 p.m pacific time uh, as well talking nhl hockey for another uh, four weeks i guess to get back to the uh, conference finals the stanley cup final and
2: the nhl draft well those are always must listen to but it'll be interesting to listen this sunday because we'll to get paul's uh, opinion on how the eastern conference series is playing out right now obviously not looking too good the western final as we mentioned is doing okay one one and both those players will be well well into it maybe maybe we'll we'll know by the weekend well no probably not but we'll be we'll be very close to knowing who might be advancing to the stanley cup final this sunday so really yeah and,
1: and like you brought up so many times is that uh, the east and the western all in on one side in toronto right now right. or in uh, edmonton right now so uh that makes it even more interesting and what I like to say is at least now we're on a schedule, right? It's yes. It's east one night, west one night, east, west. There's no more back-to-back stuff going on, which I thought was completely unfair as well. But anyway, and it's uh, pretty I can much, only and get
2: one soapbox a night. And it's pretty much the same time each game. I think it's 5 o'clock Pacific yeah. time for most games, except I think there's a 6 p.m. start for one of the games and then one of the weekend games. Because the football and NBC schedule and everything, I think is an afternoon game in there. But other than that, the start times are all about the same. So that you kind of get you kind of get routine down. Okay, you know, by five o'clock or eight o'clock or wherever times zone you're in, it's time to sit down and watch the game, and uh, and get ready to go. All right. Well, that's another uh, club hockey Southwest Weekly.
1: I'm headed your way tomorrow after about a ten and a half hour drive or so, but. <laughs> It's all getting relative now, Stephen. I just right. get in the car and go. It doesn't bother me. Um, so anyway, uh, that that's uh, what's on tap for us. Of course, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, our regular podcasts are back uh, with more great guests. And uh, for Coach Chad Berman, we want to thank him for joining us tonight. For Stephen Marsh up in Las Vegas, Nevada, Scott Strandy saying good night from uh, tonight in Vail, Colorado.